I'm feeling pretty nice today. Alexander here, Bibinector Podcast Episode 262. Today's topics are going to be ranging from would Odd Future have made it in 2023? And then from there, we're going to be discussing the best album intro of 2022. One of my personal favorites on Bad Bunny's Un Verano City, Moscow, Mule. From there, we're going to be discussing some of the most influential albums in the past four years. Um, I've made some discussions on these albums, Eternal Take, Whole Lot of Red. And most recently, I've seen Hip Hop Numbers make a post about this, including Igor in this mix. But for today, I just want to focus on those two albums, give y'all my breakdowns and how things are being influenced heading into 2023. Next, I've been doing this series of, for example... Lil Wayne, uh, Lil Baby is not is not the next Lil Wayne. Tyler, the creator, is not the next Kanye. It's basically artist comparison, sort of like, you know, them being the next one up and artists that just aren't going to, you know, be that other artist because they either have their own identity. They're not able to match the quality. And for today, it's going to be Jack Harlow is the next Drake. I believe on my nail tech review I dropped in 2022, I discussed some of these um, similarities, the comparisons, and I just want to do a bit of a deeper breakdown into this. From there, we're also going to be continuing the most important song on an album series. It's going to be J. Cole's most important song on KOD. It's been about five years. I love this series, stopped it for a bit, but we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back 100%. And I'm excited for that. Recently, I've also watched the NFR podcast with Fantano, where they discuss Kanye versus Eminem as, you know, who's the overall better rapper artist. And when it came to influence, uh, of course, we could all see why Kanye is the undisputed number one. And for the most part, when it comes to influence, but a very underrated part from Eminem that Fantano states is how he opened the doors for rap, especially to the mainstream and being able to put the genre forward, let it be like a commercial juggernaut where, hey, bread could be earned here and be a legitimate, legitimate music genre. Eminem truly pushed those boundaries. And Eminem has also influenced a large amount of artists that some might not even think like, oh, wow, Eminem played a huge part. But he did. From there, we're going to be discussing J. Cole's storyline after the offseason. And depending on how the episode goes, how we're doing on time, is whenever I'll be discussing another one of my favorite projects that doesn't get a lot of that number one spot from other fans and some artists that I'm looking forward to in 2023. So to get right into it, a couple, I want to say a couple months ago, that's whenever I watched an interview where in Hot 97, Tyler, the creator, saying, his belief on Odd Future and how they would do in 2021. And, you know, I did not agree with what he says. So let's get right into it. Um, The question was asked, would Odd Future have made it in 2023? Tyler, uh, 2021, Tyler, the creator states that Odd Future wouldn't have made it due to cancel culture, everything being slightly politically correct, and all the usual BS that we've been seeing over the past couple years when it comes to artistic integrity, when it comes to having any sense of comedy, it's just being shut down. And it hasn't been a great time. Uh, Tyler, the creator, creator himself saying, fuck no, like straight up, no, it's not going to happen, which I find a bit mind boggling hearing it from Tyler, the creator, especially seeing as how even before cancel culture and the whole craze over social media, Tyler, the creator has faced some of the worst consequences as far as, you know, trying to be canceled or trying to like, hey, get this guy out of here. So before 
we dive into those consequences, what, what do we mean by would our future have made it? Our future collective being able to create their music and sustain themselves through their music, earn their bread, and eventually go on to, you know, the points that they are now. I'm not talking about, oh, they would have got popular, but they wouldn't have been able to make any bread. No, they would have made it. There, there would have been a couple obstacles along the way. But here, let's let's just go into it. Now, Odd Future in its dankest era, its most sinister, will definitely have to be from like that 2008, 2011 um, some notable projects instantly, especially for Tyler Bastards, Goblin, Earl with his tape, Earl. And those are some of the highlights. Even though this is Hot Future's collective, I believe Tyler and Earl were really like the forefront of it, the faces, especially Tyler, the creator. Social media will play a major factor in Odd Future succeeding in 2021. Even though we're in 2023, I'm going to say 2021 because that was when the interview was held. But more or less 2021, 2023, we, we in the same era still. And with that, with TikTok being able to just, the algorithm loves anything, Tyler's insane nature along with Earl, the entire crew will quickly blow up on the platform. Of course, it will capitalize on Instagram and YouTube, but I truly believe TikTok, where the youth reside is the one that's going to resonate with them the most. Now, as far as the lyrical content that we got on those projects, I mean, we're talking about violence, sexist, misogynist, homophobic lyrics, extremely violent, offensive. And I mean, just taking a look into Goblin, it has a, over 200 homophobic slurs or anti-gay lyrics. One of the stats is searched according to NME. So, hey, listen, we're not going for the cookie cutter. Um, this isn't cookie cutter stuff. Now, a fair comparison that I can see to an artist today would be Lil Darky. But Lil Darky, even if even his dark is darker content, is just nowhere close to some of the early stuff we got with Odd Future. Definitely not even close. And with that, social media would definitely be uh, social media would be utilized in a way that would propel Odd Future forward, allow them to reach a broader audience, and added uh, a at an accelerated pace as well. Now, one of the downsides that I see, the pro being social media, a negative can also be the social media platforms banning them. I could see this being done definitely on Instagram and YouTube. TikTok is debatable. TikTok is debatable. I'm saying that that's just how I feel about it. If he were to start right now, the way they were back then. Now, another pro that I see of this, of course, is streaming platforms, allowing them to generate money a lot more steady, faster and steadier than they would have back in the day. I mean, they had to go, you know, the mixtapes were free. They had to go perform on venues, get that bread initially. But with the streaming platforms, the money would have been sustainable off the rip. So, well, you know, not off the rip, but of course, as they continue to gain momentum and continue to push the music, their audience will grow. And another good group to sort of compare them to as far as growth, but not really like I, I, the comparisons there for as far as like the structure, of course, the content completely different. But Brockhampton, we've seen that growth that Brockhampton was able to do. I believe our future would have been able to do it at a quicker pace. Now, with that, some of the consequences that Tyler, the creator, faced. Back in the early 2010s that we haven't yet to see from a rapper is he got banned from three different countries, New Zealand, Australia, and the entirety of the UK for the reasons, of course, promoting violence, homophobia, racism. I don't see no other rapper. I don't see no other rapper 
doing something that results in them getting banned from a country. The baby, the worst that we've seen is him not being able, uh, you know, certain venues canceling him, allegedly losing a Burger King deal. And that was it. This man didn't get banned from countries like Tyler, the creator did. Now with this, I don't see Odd Future having Loiter Squad. I believe, I believe in, you know, in this era, they would have been too dang, they would have been too wild for Loiter Squad TV. Some of the collaborations that we have seen from Odd Future in the past, whether we're talking about the Vans and, you know, Tyler with Converse, so on and so forth. And I believe they had a, uh, Tyler had a Sprite commercial at some point. Uh, any brand deals would have been non-existent. Brand deals, non-existence. TV show, non-existence. A lot of the presence is going to reside on social media, hopefully before they get banned. And of course, hardcore fans, streaming platforms, and of course, performing live in certain venues. Now, I think most recently is whenever we've been seeing venues just straight up denying artists. We've seen it with... um. Kanye West especially. We've seen it a little bit with the baby, but seeing as how our future was in the earlier days now, I could see a, a bigger rise of venues being like, hey, I don't know. I don't know if we could let you here. What a sensitivity that has been going on. Now, everything, all the discussion, all the blogs that we have been seeing, that we've seen in the early 2010s are going to be magnemized to the max. 100% to the max, being that everybody could just go on social media, every little song, every little verse would be nitpicked in real time. Now, every now and then, like every three or four months, we'll see on TikTok, like, oh, wow, somebody goes back to Tyler's um, discography and attempts to cancel. But I mean, they've, they've grown so much. They've grown so much from that point where it's just like, it was just with the times. But today, today, we would see more attempts. I still believe Odd Future, Tyler, the creator, or on them, they would still be fine. Now, some notable tracks that I could definitely see raising alarm sandwiches, Sarah, Troncat, Orange Juice. And of course, you know, those tracks today, I would have loved to see that impact. Anyhow, in summary, would Odd Future have made it in 2023, 2021 through 2023? I absolutely believe all of them would have made it successfully. I mean, you know, aside from Tyler, Earl, Damo, Genesis, uh, Frank Ocean, <clears throat> Sorry, I, I had to breathe real quick. <laughs> I had to breathe real quick. Um, so on and so forth. I believe all of it collectively would have been able to be perfectly fine. Not perfectly fine, but they would have came up the same way, but they, they would have made it. They would have sustained successful careers. They would have been able to earn their bread. A lot of backlash, but ultimately, they'd be straight. They would, they would have been fine. Now, going on from here. One of my favorite album intros of 2022 had to be Moscow Mule with Bad Bunny. Now, Un Verano Citin, an album that if we look at the album cover, it just breeds summer, summer vacation, summertime, going to the beach. And one thing that I love about Moscow Mule and why it's the greatest album intro of 2022 for me is the way it sets up the atmosphere perfectly tying it in with the album cover tying it in with the name of the liquor drink in the intro of the track Bad Bunny is exceptional in building an atmosphere almost before the instrumental to me when I listen to it so just starting off you hear like the birds a bit of the waves you hear the melody slowly start to creep in before we even hear Bad Bunny's vocals so already we're getting this picture painted, the atmosphere, the setting before Bad Bunny comes in and does what he got to do on the track. And by what he got to do, you know, a, a great performance, a great banger of an intro. 
and it just captures the whole entire atmosphere perfectly. It's cohesive. And even going as far as the drink, the Moscow, uh, Moscow mule drink, you know, with preparation, it has like vodka, lemon juice, ginger beer, a whole lemon. It's consumed in a cup made of copper. And it's a cocktail that's associated with hot seasons being considered the most refreshing summer. It's the little things like this. Whenever you start to add together, you you truly appreciate. And then when it comes to the summer, summer flings, summer relationships over here, you know, one thing that I love about Bad Bunny's music as well, especially this track, it's very much in the present. It's simple. Bad Bunny and a female, drinks, sex, alcohol, the traditional stuff that you'll usually get with beach themes and with Bad Bunny. It, it just does such a simplistic, such a simple job done at such a high level that it's been addictive right now for my most listened to tracks. I believe this is on the number three spot for 2022 on Apple Music because I listen to Spotify too, but mainly on Apple Music. And yeah, I just want to discuss it. Wanted to appreciate it. Show us some love right here. And going on from this, the most influential albums of the past four years. Two of them, one being Lil Uzi's Eternal A Take and Playboy Cardi's Whole Lot of Red. Now, Lil Uzi's Eternal A Take took the industry by storm when Lil Uzi decided to drop a deluxe version of his album, basically basically being hit its own separate, separate project. And we see this. It was a 14-track deluxe album, Love Versus the World 2. And in itself, you could argue it was better than Eternal A Take. It had some anticipated leaks or tracks that were, you know, preview that were finally on there. And it just, it was full of great features as well, ranging from Chief Keef, 21 Savage, Future, Gunna, Young Thug, Lil Durk, Young Nudie, Thug again with Nav, and Lil Uzi. By doing this, got everybody in their label, got every single label executive like, hey, listen, you, you got an album dropping? Perfect. We need you to make another one. Put it on there. It's going to be a deluxe. We just seen Uzi do like 200K with this same move. And ever since, we've just seen dozens and dozens of artists releasing an album in a week and not maybe a little bit of time releasing a deluxe version that arguably is its own separate part, uh, project um, within the past three to four years. This business practice has been something that to a certain degree, it was like, oh man, now everything's going to have a deluxe album. This is like oh, oversaturated. But also when it comes to, you know, commercial side of things, it's money. Lil Uzi really expanded upon the business of this and got everybody trying to, everybody trying to chase the same formula. I, I still believe Lil Uzi did it the best. I mean, not just having a, a certain number of tracks go on, make it its own separate project, make it its own simple deluxe. But like this legitimate feels, legitimately feels like a whole separate album attached. On the flip side to Eternal uh, Eternal Take. And we love the fact that, at least for me, loved Love versus The World 2. Love the fact that it was successful. And hopefully we get some new... Well, we recently got new Lil Uzi, but we get his next anticipated Pink Tape project and all the dance influence we've seen. And with this, the second album 
The second album on here being Playboy Cardi's Whole Lot of Red. I've recently done like a two-year look back on the album. I believe it was Christmas Day. The year prior, I did the same thing. And we could see Playboy Cardi's Whole Lot of Red influence on a number of artists. Of course, some of the most some of the artists that resonate with it the most being Destroy Lonely, Ken Carson. Most recently, we've even say we've even seen Youngboy do it with Black and hints of it from Trippy Red. And this list could be longer, but for me, those are some of the most notable artists that have taken an impact from whole lot of Red, specifically within these past four years. And both of these albums in the past four years, the way they've revolutionized its own aspect of the industry, Lil Uzi on the business side and a whole lot of red on the artistic side is a dope dynamic that we are seeing from Lil Uzi and Cardi that since, um, since 2016, they continue to elevate things in their own ways. They continue to push their music forward. And damn, remember back in the day, not back in the day, damn, can I say back in the day? But when we were in that era of, oh, these rappers, they're just going to die off, you know, mainly the old heads, man. But where people counted them out saying their music doesn't have much longevity and to where we're at right now. It's pretty insane. Pretty insane. Now, with that, you guys heard me say, Tyler, the creator's not the next Kanye. You guys have heard me say, Lil Baby's not the next Lil Wayne. He's not. But today, today, Jack Harlow is the next Drake. Now, when Nail Tech released the way the song was structured from the instruments to the hook was very reminiscent of Drake. I did the review on that. First class with the Fergie sample also felt Drake-like, especially some of the corny bars we got in there. Of course, the pineapple, the sweet semen, but it just reminded me of some of the corniness that we get from Drake, where it's laughable, a bit relatable, and sort of like, you know, like, ew, it's a corny bar, but it's like a feel-good corny bar that everybody's able to gravitate into it. Now, whether we're talking about on the lyrical side of things, the closest the closest thing we could get from Jack Harlow would be his verse on Churchill Downs, but in comparison to Drake's Churchill Downs verse, it's like night and day. But not comparing it to Drake's verse, just Churchill Down on its own is Drake-like as well. And most recently, I've had two tracks that have stood out to me that it's just like, wow, it feels like two sides of the same coin. Um, Love is Dro off That's What They All Say featuring uh, Static Major and Bryson Tiller. And while I was listening to that, I'm like, wait a minute, this reminds me as far as like the production, as far as like the slow tempo. This reminds me of After Dark with Static Major and Ty Dollar Sign, you know, from Scorpion. And, you know, after hearing these two tracks with similar production, similar producer, and even the structure, it just continuously reinforced for me Nail Tech, with Nail Tech, we're first class, the way Jack Harlow has been presenting himself as well, that he is the next Drake. Now, to the extent that this man is literally going to be at Drake's level in every single aspect, no. But when it comes to somebody that is, I could see legitimate protege, I do see Jack Harlow capturing that mantle the same way that Don Tolliver does it for Travis Scott. That, you know, at this point with Don Tolliver, Travis Scott, I genuinely, genuinely see Don Tolliver branching off to where it isn't like, oh, he's like, no, he's like his own separate artist that has been able to grow and learn from Travis Scott. Same thing we could see with Jack Harlow. And another major component of this would be Jack Harlow putting 
quote unquote Kentucky on the map, making references to Kentucky, whether we're talking about like Route 66, whether we're talking about some of the landmarks, some of the spots in there, to where Drake doing the same thing with Toronto, Jack Harlow doing it with Kentucky. We see the blueprint, we see the game plan. And I'm extremely excited for this. I'm extremely excited for Jack Harlow's growth going forward and what other ways he will implement some of what Drake has done into where he's, you know, Jack Harlow is the next artist that's like the closest to the next Drake. Commercially, probably probably won't, won't ever be like, you know, to the same point, but stylistically, aesthetically, and on some of the canvases, the way the music is structured, I can see it. I can see it. Going on from here, the most important song on an album series has been something that I started over a year ago. I enjoyed and I want to continue to, you know, I want to continue to do this on the podcast. I'm going to take a quick water break. My apologies. We'll we'll be back in five. Four, three, two, one. You see, that wasn't so long. J. Cole's most important song on KOD being friends with the feature of Kill Edward. Now, going into KOD, whether we want to talk about the alternative ways to call it kids on drugs. <clears throat> Sorry, again, let me, you know what? Let me let me take five. Let me take five real quick. Uh, we've been getting through a lot right here, so I just want to recollect myself. I would, you know, I could edit this also in, what is it? What is it? I could edit this whenever I go and just do my usual edit formats, or I could keep it on here. Y'all, y'all know me. I like, I like it whenever I'm just able to sort of have these moments of, all right, this isn't like scripted, scripted. All right, we're back at it. The most important track on J. Cole's K- KOD for me being friends with the Kill Edward feature the second time it is presented in the album. KOD, J. Cole's fifth studio album, the 12 track album, and releasing all the way back in 2018. The, the title being KOD, Kids on Drugs, King Overdose, Kill Our Demons, has a lot to do with addiction. Has a lot to do with, of course, what our, you know, our demons, our drugs, overdosing, so on and so forth. And one thing that stands out to me about KOD is the fact that we get a feature for the first time in a good bit from J. Cole, Kill Edward, his outer ego. And one reason I believe Friends, the second time we see Kill Edward, being the most important track on the album, I, feel, I believe it captures the essence of what this album is. In its most complete package, it's uh, very integral to the understanding of the album in itself for everything I've mentioned already. Starting off with the intro, cop cop another bag and smoke today, repair, do out the use of repetition. J. Cole hammering down the fact that it's just like, hey, this is a habit. This is something we're continued to go on. Copping another bag, smoking today, you know, so um, it speaks for itself. Now, 
Kill Edward going along with I Got Thoughts Can't Control, Got Me Down, Got Me Low. And basically the addiction taking over and not being able to truly shake it off. J. Cole on this track also talks about all the negative emotions that come with addiction. And, you know, I love the way this is open-ended to where anybody, depending on their addiction, could relate to it. J. Cole going as far as to say I'm aggravated without it. My Saturdays are without my saddest days are without it. My Saturdays are the loudest. Loving the wordplay with that as well. I've just got to say, we got to love wordplay. I'm blowing strong. Some niggas graduated a powder. I dabble later. Um, talk about narcotics. And then, of course, repeating that same saddest days and just the negative connotation related to all of this. And whenever J. Cole starts to bring break down the aspect of addiction, I love that he slowly, you know, just like, hey, let's focus on the word addiction. You know, listen to what I'm about to say. And then, of course, going on to say whether we're blaming it on the prescription, the lack of ambition, on the way individuals have been conditioned, the way the system is in place, the way these neighborhoods aren't really sustainable to the person that's growing up, whether it's the lack of a father figure. We're just getting multiple examples, multiple scenarios, multiple situations where addiction can creep up on you and ultimately cause you to more so be addicted um, to not be able to fully live without the drug, the drug of choice. Now, of course, we get themes of trauma, drama, therapy, the lack of community and pills, of course, that were on that's been on the rise, continuing to be on the rise, anxiety, depression, and all of this tying in with the hook towards the end being meditate, meditate, don't medicate, don't medicate. And all this wrapped up together. It, it's just beautiful because it doesn't feel too preachy. It doesn't get to a point where it's just like, at least for me, it's like, oh man, we got an essay being read to us. It's mellow, not too melodic. It is a bit slow. The instrumental is minimalistic, but I feel the message is highlighted very well. And some of the minimal wordplay that we get here is enough to where it keeps it, it keeps it flowing nice. It keeps it going till we get to the point of meditation being the key way to overcome some of these things. And somebody right now could be listening to this and just like, meditate, meditate. I've tried a meditation thing. I'd be lying if I said, yeah, meditate. Like I've meditated to the point where I do it consistently and it cures everything. But being able to wrap all of this up with something that J. Cole has practiced himself being meditation is a nice wrap up. I believe Friends with J. Cole should have been the last track of KOD. This should have been the outro. Uh, of course, I don't want to get too much into intro to 1985, but I felt like something, that felt like something else, like a different part of a project. And with his alter ego killed Edward, Edward is the victim of drug addiction and abuse. And, you know, evident on how controlling and overtaking these substances can become. J. Cole is in contrast with him as far as, you know, um, why the drugs are such a problem. It could be the political climate, the environment, so on and so forth, like I've discussed earlier. Now, However, the reasoning for why drugs are so problematic is more complicated as Cole attempts to break it down further, further, like I explained above. And he just overall, this is sort of like the wrap up here. <laughs> I could have organized this a bit better. Um, also, um, some specific quotes from Genius right now. I just want to add in here that overall healthier substitutions can be found. There could be ways to sort of mediate some of these issues, but ultimately it has to start within yourself. and. You know, whether it's a mindset of abundance, mindfulness or positivity that could sort of push that step forward. 
go in, lean towards it. Overall, friends, J. Cole on KOD, most important track of the album that just gets the message right without it over, you know, overstaying its message, so to speak. That was fun. That was fun. This one, KOD was an album that took me some bit to get into, but it was, uh, was a project that I, w- I would have loved a bit more features, but for the messaging was perfect. I- I've enjoyed it a lot better than For Your Eyes Only in that it is stronger in the sense that the whole album is, the whole album has a message in comparison to For Your Eyes Only where you could take out most of the tracks on there. Honestly, just have For Your Eyes Only to a good extent and that's, that's, that's the only track you really need to complete the album. Now, I skipped out. I skipped out on it. I'm sorry, but we're going to be going backwards a bit. And we're going to be discussing Kanye, Eminem, influence, impact, not necessarily Kanye's side. But like I stated, watching the NFR, NFR and Fantano podcast, that's whenever I was able to um, you know, see this conversation start and loving the, the points that Fantano brought up. Eminem. Eminem's influence on the rap game is extraordinary and something that throughout the years gets underplayed at times. Eminem's was able, Eminem was able to bring rap into a commercial state where money is flowing in. Like, like people were understanding, like you can make a lot of money on this due to the popularity, its rise in popularity and making it a legitimate genre. Now, there are arguments that, well, it took uh, a white rapper in order to open this up. And I hate that direction because it's just like, don't dismiss Eminem. Like if he didn't create some incredible bodies of work, of course, the whole fact that he is a white rapper plays a part to a certain degree, but ultimately his music was able to propel the genre to honestly where it is today. And the fact that so like so many people were able to get introduced to rap through Eminem and eventually find other favorite artists. It's a very underrated part of Eminem's influence, extremely underrated. Yes, Eminem didn't change the genre sonically as many times as Kanye West, but though to where rap is, to where we have millions of people consuming it every day, it wouldn't have been able to be done without Eminem. And as far as influence on other artists, we might not see it so much stylistically as some, as some artists we could say, like, for example, when people listen to Tyler, be like, oh man, that's clearly Kanye with the way everything is from the produ- producing albums, everything having its own defining genre. We don't guess that so much with Eminem and some of the people that were inspired by him, but they do exist, ranging from Big Sean, B.O.B., Tyler, the creator, Logic, Mac Miller, X himself, Juice World, Nicki Minaj, J. Cole, and Kendrick Lamar. These are all people that have given Eminem his flowers multiple times and have even gone, gone as far as to say the way they rap, the way they do their music is because of Eminem. Now, this isn't a direct proto-J relationship. Like, you know, you're my underling. I'm going to teach you everything I know. But there is influence. There is impact there. It isn't sonically and genre-defining as, for example, Kanye West, but it is reciting. And of course, there's plenty of other artists as well. But these are the most notable ones where it's just like, like you could hear Eminem influence in Kendrick Lamar. You could hear Eminem influence on Tyler the Creator. You know what I'm saying? It ain't like, oh, he was just a fun rapper I listened to. It's like, no, you could hear the influence. And ultimately, I just want to, I just want to, you know, 
continue that discussion that Fantano brought up that it's just like, yes, thank you. We got a more Eminem appreciation. I understand the second half of his. Uh, can I say second? Half? Yeah, like the second half, like post 2012 hasn't been the greatest for Eminem. However, it ain't like he just like everything he did beforehand just doesn't exist anymore. Now, we're a pretty good amount into the podcast. And believe it or not, I am losing my voice. My apologies for this. I'm struggling a little bit. I'm struggling a little bit over here. So we're going to be saving J. Cole's storyline, some of the artists that I'm looking forward to for another time, probably tomorrow or the day after, be expecting content being uploaded for those topics. But with that, Alexander here, Vivian Ector Podcast, episode 262. I'm out.